0: When did you first get the ability to have life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? Was it when the Declaration of Independence was signed in 1776? Or was it after the Constitution was ratified in 1789? Or did you always have those rights? And if you've always had the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, then what did the Constitution even do? Is there a such thing as constitutional rights? Or... Is it the fact that the Constitution through our republic helps uphold the fact that you have life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? Welcome to part two of Life, Liberty, and Pursuit of Happiness in a Republic. Sit back, grab yourself a cup of coffee or whatever it is that you're into. You're listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden here on the America Out Loud Network. America. Welcome, Bold Americans, to another episode of America Emboldened. I'm your host, Greg Bolden, here on the America Out Loud Network. As always, go to americaoutloud.com, where you can check out all of my colleagues' work, as well as the 24-7 talk radio network, where you can hear all of the shows all day long, as well as all your favorite podcast formats. Today, we're going to part two of my five-part series, which is summarizing the lifelong work of the late Michael Bennark His book, Good To Be King, The Foundation of Our Constitutional Freedoms. Yesterday, we set up kind of the primer for this week. We talked about what is a right? What is a privilege? Where did we come from? What are some things that we may be ignorant towards? And today, we're going to get into our individual rights. We're going to get into uh, what does it mean to be a sovereign individual, as well as what type of government do we have here in the United States? We have a republic. I won't make you wait that long, but I'm going to explain why that matters through what I learned from the teachings of Mr. Michael Benark. Now, at the beginning of the show, you heard me ask you the question, do you have constitutional rights? Uh, mr bernard would like to say to me in our conversation that we had well greg i don't like the phrase constitutional rights because the constitution gives you no rights and then he asked me what does the government function for what is their purpose and i said well i believe it's to protect he said protect what i said well protect our rights and he said where did those rights come from greg Well, those rights came from the Bill of Rights. And he said, no, those rights did not come from the Bill of Rights. The Bill of Rights enumerated your rights, but none of our founding documents ever bestow anything upon you that the constitution simply protects the rights that everyone should have. And so it doesn't matter the term constitutional rights because it's a misnomer. It doesn't exist. It's out of context. And somehow when people use the word constitutional rights, it's supposed to supersede what an individual rights is. Whether it's the second amendment and your right to own and bear arms, no one can supersede that right. You have the right to protect property and person because property is your ownership and property is the derivative of where your rights come from there's no such thing as a community in our constitution. There is only individuals and we can reach out and we can touch another individual, but a community is abstract. You don't know who's in a community. It represents a collection. And so our constitution would state individuals have rights, communities do not and cannot have any rights. So only an individual within your community can have rights and you continue to have rights whether you're in that community or you're not in that community. So community rights, he would go on to explain, is just a justification for individuals to deprive other individuals of the rights that they ordinarily should expect and deserve to have. So he gave a couple examples. He would say... The community would have a right to live in a nice neighborhood. And so there's a homeowners association that could prevent you from painting your front door red or from leaving, you know, trash in the middle of your driveway. The community would say they have a right to a smoke-free environment. So they would tell uh, business owners to not be able to smoke in their establishments. And then that violates not only the right of smokers, but also the right of business owners who think they own their property. But as we covered last show, they really don't own their property. They just own the structure or maybe they lease. Another thing that we might hear people say, and I think that as, as we start to paint this picture in part two here, I want you to think about what side's Republican, what side's Democrat out of these phrases, what side applies for both parties and what is more of a libertarian principle? Uh, where do you see these type of arguments? Now I hear a lot of Democrats say, well, it's for the greatest good. You hear Joe Biden, that's kind of his, uh, his big thing. Well, we got to come together as a community. No, Joe Biden, we don't need to come together as a community. We are individuals first. Sure, you need a community of people that get along, maybe that have some semblance of order, but if those people are respecting one another's property and individuality and their God-given rights, then we shouldn't have a problem because your rights end where somebody else's begin. And so community rights is a philosophical basis for communism. That's where it derives. And Michael Benark would like to take that to the extreme he said, you know, here's a community that has 20 people in it. However, uh, it's getting really cold outside, and there's not a lot of food left. And there's only enough food for 19 of those 20 individuals. So I think we could all agree that for the greatest good of the community, one of the members needs to be eliminated to prevent the other 19 members from going hungry. And so he asked the question, do you believe that the majority can vote to put one of its members to death simply because they deem that it is for the greater good. If you believe that the community should be able to do that, then you don't believe in a constitutional republic. You don't believe in what the founding fathers and the framers of our constitution put together because it's impossible to protect individual rights if you also claim that community rights are more important than them or should nullify them. If you believe that moms demand action should have the ability to say, oh, no, 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 you can't own that type of firearm, you silly individual, because we really care about our schools, and we're concerned that owning that type of weapon, you know, that's, that's what scares us with the schools. So they use their community right in order to try to take away your individual. So liberty, if we go to Black's Law, it's defined as the power of free action. And it also says that we all have the unlimited right to contract. There's a Supreme court case that states this, and I'm going to allow Michael bednark to read it to you.
1: A Supreme court case called Hale versus Henkel. The Supreme court said that the individual may stand upon his constitutional rights as a citizen. He is entitled to carry on his own business in his own way. His power to contract, is unlimited. This is good news and bad news. That means that you can set up, you can sign a contract to do anything you want. That's good news. The bad news is that's exactly what the government has used to basically put us in the situation that we are in. You have signed contracts with the government that you are not aware that you have signed.
0: One of the contracts that many people are unaware that they really didn't sign their parents signed it form is when you got a social security number. You don't need to have a social security number. I've spoken with other Americans here. I think it was Robert Scott Bell. I was speaking with after, uh, speaking with Michael Benark and all my show he shared. His children did not have social security numbers and Michael Bednarik would have supported that. You do not need to enter that part of the contract with the government. All that states is that should something happen, there is a social system, a social welfare system, which is socialism that you're buying into by not paying attention to it, uh, that they will provide for your children, which is how the government can take control of your children, you signed them up for that at birth. And a lot of people have no idea and the child didn't consent to that. And so we have permits now that we are understand, and that's where we get consent. Uh, we let people have a leave or a license, um, and we expressly assent or agree to doing an act. We permit it. That could be going to a park and having a baseball game there at a public park that you need a permit for. We also have a license. Now, a license is known as something that's more of a personal privilege to do something particular. The most common license that people will get is a license uh, to drive, but you don't need a license in the United States to drive. That could be its own episode in and of itself. Uh, You would just simply need the original title of that vehicle, not the certificate of title. And then you don't need a license. Most police officers don't know this. This goes back to the, the concept of, are you aware that Samuel Huntington was the first president? Well, are you aware that you don't need a license to drive if you have the true title to your vehicle? And there's court cases that can back that up. And so we know that we can contract. We know that we can make agreements like hey i could say hey you know what i'll come over and i'll, I'll clean your house for 200 and sight unseen and then i get there and i realize that it's a job that might take me two weeks that's a bad contract that i entered into so sometimes you got to read the fine print well we can also look at the different contracts that we have in our history they have not always been fair in contracts and licenses how about marriage well If you look at the state of racism in our country, and we look at the separation of blacks and whites throughout the middle 1800s, two white people could easily become married, they can have babies, that was no problem whatsoever. However, if two black people wanted to live together and make babies, they could not do so because they did not have control at that time over property, they did not have the ability to do anything that the owners of them as property did not want them to be able to do oh and heaven forbid should a white person and a black person back then want to get together and live together and make babies no way the government could not allow back then the mixing of races here's a question for you who told you that you need permission from your government in order to get married? I brought this up a few years ago when uh, we were talking about gay marriage in the United States. And I said, you can marry whoever you want to marry, right? The reason why we have this issue is because government got involved at some point in time because churches got involved long ago before then, and they told you that you need a marriage license for your marriage to be valid. It needs to be granted by some type of public authority. But who gave that public authority the permission to ask you to get permission from them? If you start answering those questions, you'll realize that the right to be married does not exist within your church or within your government. So when we get into the areas of contracts and marriage, you could really just say that the constitution there would already have an equal protection uh, of blacks and whites. And now we know through the 14th amendment, section one, that we should treat blacks and whites the same. So The question then Michael Benark would ask, did we grant blacks more freedom by eliminating the requirement to get permission granted by a public authority? Or did we take away the right of white people by requiring them to get a marriage license too? Well, it's equal protection under the law. So apparently that meant, according to Michael Benark, that you can enslave blacks as long as whites are equally enslaved. So you can see that even though we have this constitution, Michael Pudnark would be the first person to say it is far from perfect whatsoever, because we've interpreted this now into asking our government for permissions in order to be married, permissions in order to do things that we would like to do, such as your right to keep and bear arms. Why are Do I, in the state of Delaware, have to go get a concealed carry permit from my state government? Well, the true answer is, if you look at the Constitution, I don't. Now, Delaware is a May issue state. You have to go through training and then afterwards, I'm not sure what it's like in your state where you live, where you're listening to this, but after you do so, you file your paperwork and then a judge sits there and goes, oh, I will grant you permission to exercise your rights. That is BS. If you have a second amendment right, and I want to carry concealed, then I should be able to carry concealed. But because more Americans do not understand the constitution, because more Americans do not understand the true meaning of the framers of that constitution. And really because they have no intestinal fortitude in order to stand up for their rights. We allow local governments and we allow the state and we allow the rest of our federal government to contradict what should be life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. And so I know a lot of people, they refuse to carry a concealed carry permit because they believe and they are correct that their rights are not negotiable. They didn't come from the constitution. They came from their creator. It's unalienable rights, things that exist for you and for me. And that shouldn't make you an extremist. Michael Benark would say that makes you an absolutist. And so if you understand now, That your property, both you as an individual as property, the ability to be able to contract and the ability of a constitution to protect your property as well as your rights. Then if you start looking at all the other headlines, you start looking at all the other things that our government is doing, and you go back to what I said yesterday about Patrick Henry, give me liberty or give me death, you understand why I said most people are choosing death. They're choosing death because they're certainly not exercising their liberty. If you remember the governors that shut down the states during the coronavirus, oh, thank you, governor. Thank you for keeping me so safe. I was I was so worried that everybody was just going to die around me. And so, thank God, it was just a few weeks to stop the spread and that turned into six months that turned into a year. And then thank you, governor, for helping to the mandate uh, these shots and, and giving permission to businesses to turn me away and our healthcare workers. Thank you for scaring everybody. That showed me right there people would rather choose death than choose their liberty you have individual rights and they completely supersede the community rights now there's going to be some people they say oh my god greg i can't believe this when people are dying in a public health crisis and emergency are you telling me that an individual's rights are more important than the community needs yes that's exactly what i'm telling you and if you don't understand that you don't deserve to live with the constitution as the framers uh, designed it It means that you are an aberration. You are the person that they fought against during the (laughs) Revolutionary War. You are a redcoat. You are somebody that if you were in there saying, yeah, fire that jerk for knocking a needle in their arm, you are a redcoat. You are a traitor to the Constitution. If you said, if you're one of those Democrats that go, oh, but it's my body, my choice. I should have the right to an abortion because it's a woman's rights. A man shouldn't even say any of these things. But then at the same time, you did not stand up for an individual when their job was saying, hey, you need to go get that little needle on the side of your arm there or else you can't work here anymore, buddy. And you weren't saying, well, it's their body, their choice as well. Then you don't understand individual rights. You are a fraud. You're a fraud if you argue for abortion in that way and you didn't stand up for your brothers and sisters and their individual rights during that time. And Michael Pitnark understood this. He understood this in his book, Good to be King. He understood that it was the constitutional foundations that protected all of your individual rights. And it's why I made it a point right now to yesterday talk about rights versus privileges and to start off the first half of today's show with your individual rights. Because once you understand your individual rights, you can begin to have sovereignty. You can begin to be the divine right of a king. You can walk around your house and say, I'm the king of this castle. I am King Greg. You, the listener right now, are king. Insert your first name right here. Say it. Say it in your car, say, I am a king. You are a king because the constitution, the way it was set up, gave you the right to state that. Because a sovereign person is a person, body or state in which independent and supreme authority is vested. They are a chief ruler with supreme power, a king or other ruler in a monarchy. And because of our constitution, because of our declaration and that nasty letter that those 50 some men signed, they decided that it was enough of having privileges given to them. Oh, I have a privilege to work for you. Oh, that's so great. No, I have a right to do what I want to do. I can eliminate the middleman out of this equation because I understand that my individual rights are the most important part here. You were endowed by a creator. You can t- call whatever that creator is, mom, dad, God, whatever it may be. But through that, you get unalienable rights. And so you get the same status as a king or a queen, and you have the right to own your own land. So don't take that for granted. I'm going to take a break right here. When I get back, we're going to talk more about being a sovereign nation, as well as what does it mean to be a republic? Because I hear all the time, Joe Biden and Democrats are talking all about how we live in this democracy and now they've tried to say that if you use the word democracy versus a republic then you might be a white nationalist because that's the that's the new thing no you might just be a constitutionalist that loves our country and wants what's best for your brother and sister that lives alongside you one of you might be a communist the other may have america first i'll let you decide which one it is if you're enjoying these shows ladies and gentlemen i really could use your support As you may not know, I draw no paycheck in order to do with this episode or any of these shows. I am supported by my listeners 100%. And so if you're enjoying the content, you've been listening to my show over the last year, or maybe you're just listening over the last couple shows, you can buy me a cup of coffee. It's as simple as, you know, a $5, one cup of coffee. You can buy me 10 cups of coffee. You can buy me 1,000 cups of coffee. I'll take it. That's fine. But it helps support me and my family in what I do that bring you this type of content all the time. So go to buymeacoffee.com backslash boldamerica. You do that and it will come right up and you can help support it with gratitude. Thanks in advance for doing that. I appreciate you and I appreciate your time. Now we got to take a quick break from our sponsors that help keep the lights on at the America Out Loud Network. These sponsors work really hard to bring you all the voices like Dr. Peter McCullough, Malcolm Out Loud, and all your other favorites here on the network. We'll be right back. You're listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden on the America Out Loud Network.
1: AmericaOutloud.news, liberty and justice for all.
0: Millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of the toxic spike protein. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the Wellness Company designed their spike support formula to counteract harmful spike protein from COVID-19 and vaccines so you can feel your best. Go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of
1: your health naturally.
0: Welcome back, Bold Americans. This is part two, second half. We're talking about being a sovereign individual, and then we'll get in a little bit to what type of government do we have. You might have heard the expression that a man's home is his castle. Well, if you protect your home, we have castle doctrine laws. This is part of trying to recognize that you are your own king, your own queen. In England, back in 1789, the people in They didn't understand what United States was all about. They were like, no king? How are they going to have (laughs) laws? The stupid people? (laughs) Well, yeah, that's exactly what was going to happen. And it needed to have William Pitt with the House of Commons in England explain it to members of Parliament. And so he said, and this is recorded, the poorest man may in his cottage bid defiance to all the forces of the crown. It may be frail. Its roof may shake. The wind may blow through it. The storms may enter, the rain may enter, but the king of England cannot enter. All his forces dare not cross the threshold of the ruined tenement. So we became our own kings. It didn't matter if it was the poorest of people or just the rich and the powerful. Everybody could forbid the king of England from entering into their home, which also means nowadays we can forbid our own government from coming into our own home. We have that protected as well. We have almost 300 million kings and queens here in the United States, which also means that we are the only source of all political power. Nope, it is not the president. No, it is not the Congress that we voted for. No, it's not the Senate. It's we the people. We the people that ordain and establish that constitution We, the people that are supposed to tell them what we want them to do, supposed to, but as Michael Benark would put out, we don't. We're not good at telling our government what we want from them. And our government has kind of run away and told us how they want it to work, how they want to make things happen that affects our lives. And so anything that affects our sovereign state, Anything that could take away our absolute control over our property would not be part of a sovereign state and nation under the Constitution. So, if now you're thinking of yourself as a king, as a queen, then you understand the tenets of Michael Benarck's book, Good to be King. You understand what he was getting at with the foundation of our constitutional freedoms. But there is so much more left to go now we have to understand the philosophical nature of why things are the way they are in the United States. So if we, the people are sovereign, do we have the authority to violently overthrow the government if necessary? Now, I know that on my podcast, this is a very salacious thing to be able to say, and it's my free speech that enables me to to put that out there. And I also know that just by making this statement, it might put me on some type of list somewhere out there, but so my readers know, or my listeners know, that if you're reading through, this is the statement of Michael Bidnark. He says, allow me to point out that there is no other way to overthrow a government. So the word violent is superfluous. There are no official forms you can fill out that will make the government shrivel up and go away. The founding fathers did not write a request for independence in 1776. It was a declaration, one that had to enforce with seven years of a bloody revolution. So at what point do we as citizens find that we need to secure our rights we need to secure that the governments are instituted among us the men and women of the united states the clause that was put in only valid purpose of government is to secure your rights so what happens when the government stops protecting those rights well that's when we have in there it says that when any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it. So the declaration stated that we have a right to alter or abolish the government. So what do you think that means? Does that mean we just say, well, screw it, there's no longer the United States of America, we're abolishing. Um, Or alter, what's that mean? Okay, well, we need to figure out how to limit the powers of our Congress, of our Senate. Well, guess what? It is our right to do so. Now, the government is supposed to serve to us. But don't you understand that to throw off such a government that we have right now, it would be a violent thing. But you have a moral obligation if you believe in the Constitution to do so. Just as you would protect your child, should somebody come after your child, you should also protect yourself from your own government and your neighbors, but individually first protect yourself. Thomas Jefferson was quoted, what country can preserve its liberties if its rulers are not warned from time to time that this people preserve the spirit of resistance? Let them take arms. The tree of liberty must be refreshed from time to time with the blood of patriots and tyrants. So our framers, they understood that from time to time, things were going to get a little dicey in this country, and possibly the government would have to be overthrown because it got out of control. It's 2023. I want to ask you, with multiple indictments on a former president, with a party that is ignoring the fact that their own candidate has accusations against them, are we living in a spot right now where it is right to overthrow the government. I'm going to go a step further and ask if you go to the January 6th, was that a reaction? The people feeling like the declaration of independence was no longer forming for them. And if so, does that not give the right of the people to assemble upon Washington DC at that moment and call for action to slow down the election? Now, I'm not somebody that gets into that entire election interference conversation on my show. But what I'm trying to tell you is if you feel that what those individuals did was unconstitutional, was the most American thing that they likely could have done because they understood that their power as individuals, what this meant. And I understand that this is going to tick off people when I say this. I understand that people are ignorant. Ignorance is bliss. They don't understand their own country that they live in. They don't understand the fact that it's not about the community. It's about the individual. I understand the fact that they don't really know what the First Amendment specifically says or the Second Amendment or the Third Amendment or Fourth or Fifth or Sixth or Seventh or Eighth. I understand all that. But the fact of the matter is the ignorance of other people does not mean that my statements are wrong. You're going to have a government that is rapidly, rapidly having more and more control over your life, especially if the central bank digital currency goes in and the government will violate your rights on a daily basis. And they will tell you, well, you have permission to do this. You have permission to pump your gas today because you have enough carbon credits to do so. Why? Thank you, president. But that's not the way it's supposed to work your individual rights are supposed to be upheld and protected. So where's your line in the sand? That's what Michael Bednarik would ask you. At what point do you say it's time to be a dissident? Well, let me allow Michael to explain being sovereign a little bit more in his words.
1: So the king had all of the power and would give out privileges to all of his subjects. now, a lot of us got in boats, came to North America, and we started you know, building our houses here. Eventually, we signed the Declaration of Independence. What is the Declaration of Independence? It is a letter to King George. And in so many words, we told King George to put it where the sun doesn't shine. We no longer work for you. We are sovereign and independent. Instead of all this uh, instead of you getting all this uh, power from God and then giving it out to us willy-nilly, we are going to cut out the middleman. We're not going to have a king anymore. God is going to endow us with the rights. We've got the unalienable rights directly from God. We don't need you anymore. And furthermore, when we finished with the Revolutionary War, we got a Lodial title. Who owned North America prior to the Revolutionary War? The King. He sent his people in the boats. And he set up a flag. Said, "I hereby declare this land property of the King." Well, guess what? We took our property and said it belongs to us. We have rights. We have. Property, First time in human history.
0: So Michael Benarik really points out how this all came to be. And I hope that I've laid this out for you now that you understand the difference between rights versus privileges. You understand individual rights. You understand that you yourself are sovereign. Now, the mode of operation for government was a monarchy, where you had a king that was saying, hey, I want to make this law, I'm signing it, bam, it's declared, everybody has to follow it. Then we eventually get to what's called an oligarchy, where you have a few people that have power and they make rules for everybody else. But the problem with an oligarchy is it's rules for thee, not for me. And we have that here at many times in the United States at this point. We shouldn't, but we do. We have people that make laws and rules that benefit them on a local level and at the state level and in the federal level. And that gets dangerous because an oligarchy is the tenets for socialism and communism. And then after that, you have democracy. And it's important that we point out here the United States is not a democracy. As much as you know all these politicians would like to continue to say, our democracy is strong, that is not what the framers put into place when they made the Constitution and said that we were going to be sovereign people. So Michael Bitnark is going to explain to you, what is a democracy?
1: Now, democracy is majority rule. Isn't that great? How many people want to vote for democracy? Well, in a democracy, what they don't tell you is that the minority loses. You have no rights in a democracy. You only have privileges, which are granted to you by the will of the majority. So if most of us vote, we will let you keep your house. Otherwise, we're going to take it away from you. Let's assume that all of us are landowners. And we all have about the same amount of land. And John here has land with water on it. And I, I want some of the water. So I want I go to John and I ask John if he'll sell me his land. And John says, no. No, it's been in my family for six generations. It's my grandfather's and great-grandfather's. There. Just don't want to sell it. And well, OK, we're a democracy. And so I'm going to put it up to a vote. I'm going to vote that we take john's land and divide it up everybody gets a little piece of john's land how many people want to vote for john's land right okay john you get to vote because this is a democracy right right you lose right mob rule mob rule that's exactly what democracy is
0: and mob rule is one of the most dangerous things we face in 2023 because it's, it's emotional it doesn't wait for the due process of things to work out you know you see the me too movement where careers were ruined just simply based on allegations and that seems to still be kind of like the playing card of most of the left uh, we even have conservatives that have moved towards that as well at this point in time we try to have cancel culture that's mob rule as well uh, you might remember a while back when the statues were coming uh down There were people that were trying to put through bills, but the mob came in and they ripped down the statues. The mob threatens civilization itself. You know, people that go and they deface things because uh, that's what the mob wants to do at that point in time. It's on somebody else's property and becomes lawless in spirit. It becomes lawless in practice. And so a democracy in and of itself, mob rule is not American. It is not part of our constitution. When we have the pledge of allegiance, it actually goes through the words. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic. We are a Republic, ladies and gentlemen, and a Republic is very important to understand because it protects us against the mob rule. It allows us to have a government that is representative of the people. That is extremely important. So most people in the United States, they think that we live in a democracy and they are dead wrong. See, the founding fathers, they knew their history. They knew that there was an inherent danger of mob rule and they knew that about democracy. It could not exist as a permanent form of government. And unfortunately, that's what we have transformed into over the last few decades. In fact, we might have transformed into that since 1920-ish, according to Michael Bennark in his conversation with me. So if we're not a democracy, if we are a republic, what is the difference between the two? Well, the first thing we should understand is the meaning of the words. So the first part is understand that the founding fathers loathed the word democracy. They hated it. The word itself would never have been used by them in the way that they wanted to set up things. It was something that they saw would be an inevitable failure if they went with democracy. But people get confused because both a democracy and a republic allow you to elect representatives. Both systems allow people to vote. However, property and rights are not subject to a vote in a republic so why have i spent so much time on you understanding your property you understanding your rights that you are not part of a community you have individual rights here in this country the united states of america respects that they're supposed to honor that however there are people now that seem to be like hey well you know what You have water on your land that i would like and uh, there's been a drought so i just think the government should be able to take that through eminent domain well that is showing that there was not respect of your property and in a democracy people because the majority rules would just be like you know what you no longer have that land that water that's there it's a drought and it should be serving all of us it should be serving the community Well, that is not an american attitude according to the way our country was founded sorry to break it to everybody so therefore in a republic which is what we are the rights and property of the minority are protected from a much stronger majority there are certain things that you can't vote on in a republic and your property that you own and your rights are the two things that are protected. It doesn't matter if moms demand action comes and says, I would like your AR-15 now. You can't have it. You can't have it because it's my property. You can't have it because of my property that's protected underneath the Second Amendment, the right to keep and bear arms. You can't debate this. I mean, you can try to debate it, but it only shows your own ignorance to try to do so. I often wondered why a person like Michael Bidnark never became more popular with all of his teachings and the sound philosophical uh, nature of his research. This man spent over three decades of his life dedicated to understanding the constitutional republic. And the only thing that I can think of is we've gotten fat and lazy as citizens we now want other people to provide for us. Socialism, this advocacy of vesting ownership and control over production, land, and the community as a whole has risen as a theory back into America. As I said earlier, you have people like Bernie Sanders that openly says that that's who they are. AOC, same thing. But socialism was just basically a stepping stone to becoming a communist nation. And communism is eventually the theory or system of social organizations that are based on holding all of the property in common. And I think that central bank digital currency is going to lead us directly to communism as well as AI. But it doesn't have to be that way. I'm doing these episodes because I think as I said yesterday, this book, Good to be King, the foundation of our constitutional freedom is the most important book of our lifetime. Now, Michael Benark is no longer around in order for us to ask him questions and talk to him. And he said to me, who will take up the cause of Liberty when I'm gone? Because it's not my job anymore. Because when he was in congestive heart failure and he was dying, he understood that it was now up to somebody else. he said, Greg, if I could have taught it better, don't you think I would have? I can't force people to understand their own liberty. But one thing that Michael Benaric would want to force us to understand is that communism is evil in theory. And it it is completely contradictory to your God-given rights and to the ownership of property, which is protected by our government. And in part three tomorrow we're going to talk about communism we're going to talk about the communist uh, manifesto and we're also going to talk about the founding documents and their purposes for why they exist and then in section four we'll start getting to the articles of the constitution i hope that i've honored your time well and i hope these shows really you know michael benaric would be proud that i've been putting a little bit of a effort into trying to bring this content in a new way through this podcast through his words and teachings of good to be king and me summarizing and i I, he did this in an eight-hour class he would he would do this i'm doing this over the course of a a five-part episode that will only be uh when it's all said and done over a couple hours but i I really hope that the spirit and essence it's reaching you and you're understanding your rights a little bit better um go to bednarik.org. B-A-D-N-A-R-I-K. That's his website. I don't know who's running it at this point in time, but go over to there. And if you have not purchased his work, Good to Be King, great book. Um, He's got a couple other. Uh, Philosophical Lighthouse was one of his writings. um, And Understanding Your Sovereignty was another one. So go help support Michael Bednarik's estate. Uh, by making those purchases. I'll be back tomorrow with you with yet another episode, part three of this conversation this week, and uh, look forward to having you tune in once again, everyone. That's it. You've been listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden here on the America Out Loud Network. Be bold, America.